welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Well, praise God. It's been a, we've had an interesting hard week since uh, we had Deeper last weekend here in, in Kingdom Faith Yorkshire because one of our beloved children of the house has been promoted. She's gone home. She's only a young adult. And so all those things are always hard, aren't they? So what do you do in times like that? Well, God, of course, set us up for that. He was, he was preparing us for that. And so two weeks ago, he told me to speak on being defiant. Do you remember? And the whole, the whole sort of thrust of that was when trouble or struggle comes your way, rise up with a defiance that says, even this, even this will not take me away from following my God. And then the following weekend with Deeper, that theme kind of remained, but in the context of soaking in the presence of God. If you remember, if you were part of it, if you weren't, please go back and check them out. But uh, it was in the context of we had the four words, which all meant immersion or soaking in the presence of God. Soaked, steeped, saturated, and soused. They were all about being in God's presence because you can only be defiant when you are experiencing God. Now, sometimes when you hit that point of defiance, it can feel like you're not in God's presence. So the times which you spend beforehand are precious, are valuable. The Saturday Saturday morning, we talked of being steeped, as Pastor Colin brought that first minute word. And what a foundational teaching. If you're a new Christian, that's another one that you want to keep going back to and listing and draw every jewel, every ruby, every diamond out of it. But it was about being steeped in the word because it's by his word and by his spirit. Okay, so let's get back to where we were last uh, fortnight ago, sort of sandwiching that experience of God's presence right in the middle. And I think that's really intentional because this is the word that is kind of sandwiching what happened at Deeper, the word we had at Deeper, but also the worship and the experience of the presence of God. Because we love Georgia and this is not where we wanted to go, but it's where we are at. So what do we do? All we can do is look to Jesus and trust him, even in this time. So, let me remind you of the key passage that we had at Deeper. Okay, this was the key passage from Deeper, from Ephesians. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrine of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. There it was. We will not be easily shaken. 
This is not the time to look for something new and weird. This is the time to look back into the things we know of Scripture, highlight them, and let the revelation of God feed us and strengthen us and encourage us. For Georgia, she's going to rise from the dead with us. Unless we're caught up because Jesus comes back, we will rise from the dead with Georgia, be in the presence of God together, for that is the inheritance of, of those who believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to jump right back in to exactly where we finished last time. I was reading this passage, just a summary of the passage. It's from Colossians chapter 1. Yes, it's his work in you that now qualifies you. You are qualified. Okay, you have the certificate to hang on your wall, your BWJ, your being with Jesus, is your certificate that qualifies you to share in the inheritance. Okay, the inheritance he's prepared for all of us who he's called and set apart for his purpose. The inheritance, what is it? It's our hope in heaven. It's our rich reward in heaven. Okay, for he's already rescued us from the devil. He's already rescued us from him. You've been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of his son. And it's through him, through Jesus, that we've been made worthy in his sight, in God's sight, in God the Father's sight, and receive forgiveness of sins so that we now belong to him. Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to minister to each other and we're going to minister to ourselves using the word right now. How are we going to do that? We're going to speak it over ourselves and over one another. I'm going to read it and then we'll repeat it together. Now, I can't see you. You're not in front of me. I can only see that, that one eye of the camera over there. But I'm going to ask you, because we're going to stand, and when you, when, we're going to stand because we're going to be in authority. And who knows, it's a lot easier to feel like you're in authority when you're standing up rather than sitting on a comfy chair. So... Wherever you are, including here in the summit, let's stand and let's use this scripture together to minister to ourselves and over one another, but we're going to personalize it. And many of you will be familiar with this, but many of you won't. And it, one way we can pray with scripture is to take it and personalize it to us. You say, well, isn't that changing scripture? No, not at all. Scripture is written that we might benefit from, heal from, and, uh, uh, and be fed from. So it's just speaking the scripture over us personally, because in fact, God does that to you anyway. He speaks over to you personally, okay? So I'll say it, or a phrase from what we're going to say, it's this scripture personalized I'll say it, and then we can repeat it together, and then I'll say the next bit, and we can repeat that together. Because it won't be identical to what you've got written in your book, because we're personalizing it, okay? All right, here we go. God the Father has worked in me. God the Father has worked in me. I am now qualified. I am now qualified to share in the inheritance, to share in the inheritance. He has prepared for me. He has prepared for me. I am called and set apart. 
I am called and set apart. I belong to the kingdom of light. I belong to the kingdom of light. I have been rescued from the devil's domain of darkness. I have been rescued from the devil's domain of darkness. I have been brought into his kingdom. I have been brought into his kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus the Son. The kingdom of Jesus the Son. Through Jesus, I have been made worthy in God's sight. Through Jesus, I have been made worthy in God's sight. Through Jesus, my sins are forgiven. Through Jesus, my sins are forgiven. Through Jesus, I now belong to God the Father. Through Jesus, I now belong to God the Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, praise God. You can take your comfy seat now. The good news, it was short enough that your coffee will still be hot. Hallelujah. Okay, so that's something that you can do in times when it's difficult. Okay? There are times to carry one another as well, particularly the family. But this is for the whole family of the church, not just George's immediate family, that we can walk together and carry one another. You will have trouble in this world, says Jesus. And he tells us to be equipped. One of the things that we have sometimes missed in the evangelical, charismatic church is having a, what's called a theology of suffering. We have to have that so that we've got the maturity and the wisdom to be able to walk through times that don't work out in the way we would have really liked them to work out. Okay? So, let's carry on through this scripture then in Colossians here. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, what's Jesus like? What's God like? Well, it says in the scripture, moving on in chapter 1, going to verse 15, that Jesus, Jesus Christ, is exactly like his Father. So, in fact, if you want to know what Jesus is like, you can read your Gospels. You can read actually all of the Bible, but if you read the Gospels, you'll see Jesus work, walking as a human being here on planet Earth. And that's one of the easiest ways. It's one of the reasons. It's called uh, God incarnate. It means God, God in fully in a human being. In fact, fully human and fully God. It's one of the mysteries of the Gospel. But Jesus surrendered uh, his position in heaven on the throne and came and was born laid in a manger, just born like all of us, but with far less hygienic situation around him as he's being born. He's born as an ordinary human being, grows up as an ordinary human being, is disciplined by his parents like an ordinary human being, and yet is fully God. But if you want to know what the Father is like, well, look at Jesus, because the Father and the Son are one. If you want to know what God the Father would be like if you were walking around with him, this is what he's like. And actually what we're called to is to walk around with him by the, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Father, it says, remains invisible to us, but Jesus is God's firstborn with authority to rule over all creation because everything was created by him 
whether on, in heaven or on earth, both visible and invisible, every ruling power and authority. Yes, everything was created by him and for his purposes. So because Jesus made it, he has complete power, complete authority, complete dominion over all of it. This little passage, by the way, if you like interesting sort of historical uh, thoughts, verses 15 to 18, it's thought that this, well, it's either an early faith statement of the church, or a lot of people think it's actually taken from an early hymn of the church. This is uh, perhaps what those early Christians were singing in their households. I don't know how, we don't know what it would have sounded like, and it certainly wouldn't have been easy, easy but in English rather. But, uh, you know, what a song this could be turned into. Jesus is the like the Father, invisible to us but God's firstborn. His power and dominion is over everything. Anyway, that's probably not how it should be written. But, uh, Alex, over to you. Uh, or Pete Norman, if you're watching, come on, get together even if it has to be remotely, perhaps. But let's, let's get a song from this. Let's, let, let's take this passage and turn it into a song. It's a different version of personalizing scripture. It's singing scripture. So, an early hymn of the church. And Jesus, you want to know what God the Father's like? Look to Jesus. But here it is all things. He's not out of control, even if it sometimes feels like it. When... You're a toddler, and I guess everyone watching has been a toddler, unless you still are a toddler, and then you might not be listening too hard, but you know, Noah, Reuben, I'm talking to you too. Um, you find that as a toddler, you don't know the answers to everything. That, of course, comes later when you're a teenager. But when you're a toddler, you don't know the answers to everything, and you pretty much submit to your parents in everything, don't you? I mean, have you ever known a two-year-old or three-year-old resist the will of the parents in any way whatsoever? No, of course not. They're immediately obedient. They immediately, you know, the younger ones just lie on the floor with their legs in the air when they need a nappy changed. And then as they learn to walk and play, you never have to do things like, you need to go and sit on the bottom stair for three minutes or whatever you use in your household. No, you never do that with toddlers, do you? except that you do all the time. I'm not saying we're toddlers before God, but there's an element of that. And usually when you discipline a toddler, and I hope if we're good parents, it's the only reason we ever did discipline a toddler, it's because it's good for them. You know, if it's don't put your fingers into the electric socket, which is pretty hard with the way English sockets are designed, but um, it, it's for their good. Don't go and stroke the flames in the log fire it's for their good. And if they go towards it to think, oh, I want to stroke that pretty orange thing, you're going to grab them and pull them away, aren't you? Even though they think it's pretty and orange and they'd love to stroke it. Now, just transfer that into millions and millions of, of, of toddler examples of toddlers wanting to do something. Go this way when you're going that way. You know, they, they don't know why they want to go that way, really, probably, or this way. But there's, there's, there's a, they decided that was the way they're going. And now dad says we're going this way. But I want to go this way or that way or this way. Anyway, that way, this way. The toddler wants to go. That way you're going as a family. Actually, this way, the toddler is going to get home and be safe and secure. And this way, well, goodness knows what's going on in that toddler's head. 
Maybe they've seen something sparkly or colorful, or they just want to do it because they want to do it. And at that moment, the toddler's not thinking, actually, Dad, you put up a good, sensible intellectual argument there. A goodness knows why I wanted to go that way. This way leads me into safety and security. Of course I'm coming with you, Dad. No, that's one of those points, particularly as toddlers, that you can go into a screaming paddy, lying on the floor, on your front, thumping your fists on the floor. It's all happened to us at one time with our toddlers. And if you're in a supermarket, it's extremely embarrassing. But only embarrassing to people, if you know there are people there who are not parents. All the others, all the parents are thinking, apart from those that had obedient toddlers, all the parents are thinking, oh, you poor person, that's so horrible to happen to you. All the non-parents, or at least a large majority of them, are thinking, what a terrible parent. <laughs> Jossie's dancing because he's a non-parent. <laughs> It's a good freedom in being a non-parent, but I love kids. <laughs> Grandchildren are even better because you can send them home afterwards. Okay, so, but the thing is, we're like this with God as well, because the toddler, the reason they have these temper tantrums, and you get a lot more of it when they're two and three, is because they don't stop completely, unfortunately. Children don't suddenly become radically obedient at four, but... That initial bit is because, particularly in that age of child, they don't have an awareness of the big picture. They don't understand uh, the parents' idea of, of, of keeping them safe. They only see the immediate. They can only see that way is better. It isn't, but that's what they see. And this is what happens with God a lot. Because, and, and, we quite clearly can see this way is better, you're wrong, God. But we also just don't know the fullness of what God is doing. One day we'll all be raised together and this existence will be like a twinkling of the eye compared to spending eternity with Jesus. For now, we're here to love God, love one another and love humanity and see more and more people join God, be reconciled to God. So, but never forget, keep reading passages like this to remind yourself that God, actually, he is in charge. He knows, despite everything that's going on, despite what politicians are doing, counselors are doing, what the National Health Service is doing, what your church is doing, all of it, God knows. what's happening in your family, what's happening with people you know, the whole COVID-19 stuff, God knows. And though it seems impossible, he does do good in all things. That doesn't mean all things are good to us. No, we, 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 we go through struggling. We, 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 we establish victory. Well, if you're going to have victory, that means at some point you went through something that you're going to have victory over. Jesus won the victory which we take hold of in all the other circumstances so that we see that we're living in the good of that victory. So the Son has preeminence, it says here. He is first over all that has been created, for he existed before creation began, and only in him is everything sustained. The mark of Jesus Christ is in every single thing. When scientists discover 
more and more understanding of DNA. They're looking at the signature of Jesus. They're looking at his hand at work. The reason there's so many similarities in things is because you're, his, in him everything is sustained. We share the genetics of a banana because everything is it's true. We are sustained by Jesus in everything. He is the head of his body, which is, of course, us, the church, for he was the first to rise from the dead. Notice the first, because we all will with him. All those in him, we will be caught up with Jesus. We've got to also, when we're looking at what Jesus has done, and we're understanding the truth of the scriptures from all the way through history, when we're experiencing God and understanding his word right now, we also need to look to the future of what God says is coming and take hold of that future and live for it in the present. See, some people say, oh, you become a Christian, you got saved, uh, and that's everything that counts. Well, it's certainly a major turning point in your life, and it's a point when you cross over from death to life. But if you emphasize that so much, you end up, well, I, that, that's it, I've done it. But the scripture and the gospels and the teachings say that is a beginning. All you've done is start a journey in God. And that journey involves doing the things of God. He has called us and set us apart for a destiny and a purpose in this world. Every single one of us called and set apart and declared holy by God himself because we will raise, rise with him. One day, that is our hope. Jesus is coming back. So, uh, having conquered everything, this is Jesus, that opposed God's purposes, he should now have supremacy over all things. One day we will see this incomplete fullness. You haven't got to personally, you know, try and establish the victory for yourself. The victory has already been won for you, but what we have to do is take hold of that victory. What's the difference? The difference is the certainty and the surety that you already have it. Normally, if you're in a, a sports contest, uh, a badminton tournament, okay, and you want to win the tournament, you don't know at the beginning that you're going to win it. You've prepared in every single way possible, but you don't really know. Now, the, the sports people that are going to be most successful will have in their heads, I'm going to win this tournament. But they don't know for sure. But they have that assurance. All successful people in sport, they have a, a tendency to visualize themselves crossing that finishing line, getting that medal or whatever it is, getting that prize, taking hold of the prize. All the best people at winning have got that picture in their heads. It's what pushes them on. It's what motivates them. Well, our finishing line is being with Jesus, but we know we're going to cross it. So we can have that picture of success and victory in our minds, in our heads, just like successful. It's the same in business. Most successful business people have a picture of what that success looks like. That's why they're successful. It's part of what makes teachers good teachers. They can see what success in their classroom looks like, what it looks like when that child achieves what they wanted to achieve, whether it's learning to read or passing their physics A level, all the way along, there's a teacher, the good teacher, that believes they can do it. 
it take, that, of course, is, is a measure. There's a faith going on there. But our faith is not in the things of the world. Our faith is in God. But the great and enormous and wonderful thing is, if we get it into our, into our heads, is we're not just physically imagining something that could happen because we want to achieve it. We have victory. And we will rise from the dead and be with Jesus. We need that in our picture. We need to see that we will be in complete victory. So you see, reading from Scripture here, uh, verse 19, so you see, it was God's good purpose to place the fullness of his life, the fullness of his life. You don't just get a little bit of Jesus, you get it all. You think of everything that's bound up in Jesus, the love, the peace, the joy, the victory, the healing, the provision. You get all in Christ. You don't just get a part of it. When Jesus comes to live in you, you, you get all of him, not just a bit. So that through his life, his death and his resurrection, earth, everything on earth should be brought back to his will and made one with all that is in heaven. All right? It's Jesus through his death, through his life, through his resurrection. It's all possible. Christ made everything possible. Now, it says as well that this was all made possible through the cross. This is, you can see, I said at the beginning, we need to look at the essentials. We need to look at the, uh, what we believe. And this was just the next part that I was going to anyway after two weeks ago. It's just wonderful how God has everything in place and ready. What do we do at this time? We look to the cross. Because the cross is that crux point, life, death, resurrection. It's right there in the center of everything we believe. It was essential for Jesus to shed his blood. And through that, he made peace between God and man. Why blood? Why did he have to shed his blood? Because it really costs something to restore people back to God. It, it, it couldn't just be ignored or, I suppose in theory, all of heaven would be corrupted. It had to be dealt with. It had to be removed. And the only way was through blood. You'll find in Scripture that the life is in the blood. Yes, new life. The life of Christ is in the blood that Christ shed upon the cross. They say, I still don't get it. It's, it's the way God made creation. If you want to understand more about why Jesus, why death on the cross, listen to some of Richard and Joyce's teaching that's here on YouTube. One story and, and the one before that. And you'll see a pattern of what God is doing through all of Scripture. Currently, Richard is, is slowly... Uh, well, no, not slowly, quickly, really, working through the entirety of Babel, by, uh, the Bible, outlining the plan of God and how it works. It's no good if I, if I buy a brand new, I don't know, iPhone. I've got an iPhone 12 and I drop it out my second floor window onto the concrete down below, particularly without a case on, it's going to break. It's no good saying, oh, why is there gravity? Gravity exists. 
It's a fact of creation. It's there. If you drop it, it will fall. It will break. It's just how it is. It's how it all works. It's how it's all tied together. It's what makes it happen. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Why, does there, why is there gravity? Well, one good reason for it is otherwise we'd all float off into space, which wouldn't be very helpful. But it's the same with the blood. Without it, there would be nothing that brings us together, for the life is in the blood. And that's why it had to be shed on the cross. It's the way creation works. Paul, writing to the Colossians, carries on. You used, notice the past tense as he writes to these guys, you used to be separated from God. You used to be separated from God. That's what it is. If you, if you haven't come into that incredibly precious moment of saying yes to Jesus, turning from your way and turning to his way, which is called repentance, before that point, you are separated from God. That's not to say God doesn't do anything in your life. It's not to say you can't even hear from God or you can't experience God. In fact, you do. The only way you can get saved which is what it means when you say yes to Jesus. The only way is to hear from God and to experience him. Some people say, oh, I've, you know, I've been a Christian five years. I don't think I've ever experienced him. You must have done or you wouldn't be a Christian. Whatever it was that caused you to say yes, you know it's God. Oh, well, I'm not sure I ever have said yes. Then you're not a Christian. But I go to church. Yeah, well, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. There has to be a point of decision that says, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, for some people, that can happen over a period of time. Of course it does. They, they grow into that as God reveals more and more and more. And they'd be pushed to say, oh, it was on the 19th of October, 1972, because there was things going on. They're not sure of the actual point. But whatever happened, there was a point when the angels were rejoicing in heaven that another person had come to follow Jesus. And then Jesus came to live in them. So, this has been made possible through the cross. You used to be separated from God. In fact, the scripture says here, this is quite challenging. You were his enemies because of the way you thought and believed which were evil in his sight. This is why we have to really acknowledge that at one point we were the enemies of God. You say, oh, we can't go around saying people who are not saved are the enemies. Yeah, but you're forgetting what God's like. What does God do to enemies? Because he says it in his, in his, in his instructions. Love your enemies. Why do you think he says it? Because that's what he is. That's what he does. So you were his enemies because of the ways you thought and believed, but now through what Christ endured in his physical body, you have been reconciled to God, so you're now one with him. That reconciliation, and you're one with him. You haven't just got to know him a bit. You don't just know his name. You don't have his phone number so that you can give him a call or send him a text. This is about becoming one with him. The... Uh, Passion Translation says in this passage, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. 
That's a great picture. Living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions. Living in darkness. But he reconnected you to God your Father. Now, there's nothing that you can do to disconnect that. He's always with you. He's never going to give up on you. Sometimes God feels distant. He's not gone anywhere. It's us that does the distancing. He's there, right next to you. He's above you, beneath you, at each side. He's even in you. So, you've been reconciled to God and it's through his death that you have been made holy before God. That's really important that we know that we've been made holy because as we've been made holy, that's why we can go to before God. It's nothing of ourselves. It all comes from him. God declares you holy. It's another way of saying God declares you set apart. God declares you holy because something that is holy is something that is set apart for the purposes of God. And you are set apart for the purposes of God. So this means that it is Christ who one day, it says here, will present you to his Father. Now this is what will happen when we rise from the dead. Jesus will take you and present you before Father God. And it says he will present you perfect because you've been, you have been washed clean completely by the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ deals with everything. If it, if, if it couldn't wash away one particular sin, if it couldn't deal with it, it wouldn't be the blood of God. It wouldn't be the blood of Jesus because it has to be over everything because Jesus Christ is over everything. Not only will you be perfect, I like this bit, you will be free from any accusation the devil could bring against you. There's nothing now between you and God the Father. He sees you holy, flawed, and restored. So when you can be presented to God free from accusation, don't do the devil's job for him and start accusing yourself of failure or shame or lack of. Don't do it. What's the point? You're doing the devil's job for him. Don't worry, he'll still do it. But there's no point adding to that from ourselves and agreeing with the devil. Oh, yeah, you're right. I failed in that. I didn't do that. I'm not good enough at that. I get anxious in that situation. I get angry in that situation. I don't have enough patience. I keep sinning again and again. What are you doing? Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood to deal with all of that. It's now all untrue. It might, some of it might be true in a sense, it's things that you experience, but you, you're, you are in victory over it. Now you just need to learn how to live in the victory that you have over it because of the cross of Jesus. It broke it. It dealt with it. And then it says, to complete this work in you, to complete this purpose, you have to persist in faith. Some Christians get confused because they have like a, a couple of good years of victorious living. That's victorious living. Did you know that? That's why you know. Anyway, you have this couple of years of victorious living and then something happens 
not necessarily even a major thing. And because that thing has happened, they find themselves, where's God in all of this? Oh no, he's, he's deserted me because I didn't, whatever the I didn't was. God never, ever will desert you. You have to persist in your faith. You have to persist in your faith. Allowing nothing to shake your trust in him. Allowing nothing, it's that, like that Ephesians passage. Allowing nothing to shake your trust in him. Look, you can struggle with a situation. It can, make, it, can, it can be terrible to you. You can be fraud by it. You can need others to lift your arms in prayer. But even through all of that, it's like, I don't feel like praying. I don't even feel like, I don't feel like talking to Jesus. You can get to that place. But even in the midst of that, persist in faith. Just have that little bit in your back pocket that says, yeah, but I'm not letting go. I might be like this right now, but I'm not letting go. That's persisting in faith. Otherwise, you're just persisting in feelings. You're saying, oh, I've always got to feel good. I've always got to, I've always got to be you know, feeling like I should be rejoicing. No, sometimes we just don't. Now, we can make a choice to rejoice, but that's another story. But also, in your back pocket, a better place if you can, in your jacket pocket or completely all of you, but... You've got that, no, but I'm going to persist. This doesn't mean I'm giving up. This doesn't mean I'm stopping. Everything might be feeling like it's shouting at me to stop right now, but I'm not. That's what, that's what this is saying. So that you will obtain the hope you've received through the gospel, which is your rich reward, your rich inheritance in heaven, taking hold of everything in the heaven that is yours. This is the good news that you heard at the beginning of your walk, at the beginning of your Christian walk, and it's the hope that's held out to all, the whole of creation. And I, Paul, have become a servant of this wonderful gospel. In the Passion Translation, it says, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. What a nice way to put it. What a good way to put it. So Paul then writes, I rejoice in what I had to suffer for your sake. And Paul, he had every reason in the world to give up on Jesus. He'd been through beatings and shipwrecks and um, struggled with something he doesn't even go into details, the thorn in his flesh, we don't know what it was. Um, his body was probably, from uh, some of the evidence that we have, it was probably uh, when he was older, you know, he, he, he would walk with a little bit of difficulty because he had bones broken and you know, he was probably in pain. But he just says here, I rejoice in what I had to suffer for your sake. He said, I'm not sure I'm at a place to rejoice in suffering. I'm not talking about dancing around the living room, although there can come a time when you can do that too. This is, this is that time when you just know, no, I rejoice because I know God will bring good. This is not what I was chosen. This is awful. I don't want to be here, but I'm going to choose to walk through this suffering because I know that God is good and God is love and he knows better than me because compared to him, I'm just a toddler. 
and I just don't see it all. Who knows? Who knows what God does? Who knows why certain people go home at certain times? We don't know. We can speculate, but we don't know. All we've got to do is trust the God. You see, Jesus showed us the way by loving people. He demonstrated the way. He showed us that the kingdom of God means healing by healing all those who come to us. And he showed us that your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is now. And salvation includes people being healed. And he did at times, it says, he healed all who came to him. I believe he still does do that. But he only ever raised a few from the dead. And he raised those people from the dead because he heard what the will of the Father was for that situation. Healing is bound up in the gospel. Rising from the dead was definitely in the sign and wonder category because it was, Jesus was demonstrating that, that he was going to rise from the dead but also he was showing that we would all one day rise from the dead and be caught up with him. That's why he did it. But you don't, he did not actually bring back many people from the dead. It was Lazarus. There was the widow's son. As example. But it was demonstrating that we will all one day rise from the dead and be together. It was only suffering in my flesh, my natural man, and a continuation of the affliction that Christ himself suffered for the sake of his body, the church. You see, at times, the church has understood that when we go through suffering, it's actually part of our identity with him. When he went through what he went through. He experienced all of humanity and all of life. He would have loved Joseph. We don't know when Joseph died. It doesn't tell us. We just know he was dead by the time Jesus was ministering. He went through that kind of experience. As well as, of course, he goes through that experience of his followers being persecuted and martyred since that time anyway. But there's an identification in us that says... In suffering, actually, even, I can even see Jesus in that. We shouldn't be seeking it. it it's going to happen. It's not seeking suffering. But as it happens, it's seeing that we can identify with the suffering of Christ on the cross and perhaps have an even deeper, more wonderful, more precious revelation of who he is. This is what Paul's talking about. I've become your servant in this. He's talking to the Christians because of the commission God gave me to bring God's word in all its fullness of truth and power. See, the, the word of God is not just true. It has power to change. He's now revealing the secrets that have been hidden during previous times and generations, but these truths are revealed only to his saints and to those who belong to him. If you really want to understand scripture, you have to be a follower of Jesus. Otherwise, it will at best be head knowledge. He's chosen to reveal to all or among the nations the glorious riches that are centered in this mystery that Christ has now come to live in you. Christ has now come. If you said yes to Jesus, turn to him. 
to live in you. We sometimes talk about this. This is the basic of the gospel. Just think about that for a minute. Where you're sitting right now, whether you're here in the summit, or whether you're at home, Christ came to live in you. You could be a Christian for even just a week and start to forget how incredible that actually is, that statement. He's not just living in your heart, by the way. He's not, you don't ask Jesus to live in your heart. He lives in all of you. The, the, where that comes from is the heart was, uh, was, a, was an expression of everything that we are. Not just he's come to live in your heart. Here is little Jesus in here. He comes to live in all of you by his spirit. In him alone is your hope and glory for all eternity. So, and this is the last bit. This is why we speak only of Christ, says Paul. Encouraging, correcting, and teaching. Yeah, that's what the word of God is for. Encouraging, yes. Correcting, not so keen often. And teaching everyone with the wisdom he's given us so that we can present everyone perfect in Christ because they believe in the gospel. What a wonderful prospect. And it's this that inspires me to work so hard, depending on his power to work in and through me and enabling me to prevail through all the struggles. It's good to read this language sometimes. Sometimes we've skipped over those bits. You know, I don't want to know about the struggles bit. But we have to know about the struggles bit because otherwise we, we stumble and fall and can't get up when we inevitably face hard times. We live in the world. And as sure as I drop my phone and gravity will make it hit the floor, there will be trouble in the world and trouble in what we live. And in fact, in one way, the closer we are as a church and as a congregation, the more we will hurt as well as the more joy we will have. Because if the more you know people well, the more you will share in some of the hurt. In fact, it's why some people do withdraw. I spoke on it uh, a little, very briefly, in one of the Church Reset videos this week. It's called Risky Compassion. Because to have compassion for others is risky to yourself because it hurts you. I've got many, many dear friends in this church. And when, if someone goes through struggle, it, it hurts. Because they're part of the body. If part of my body hurts, it all hurts. Goodness me, I can be put off enough by a paper cut. You know? Because it's part of me. It's not just, oh, that's a paper cut on that finger. That's fine. I don't really care about that finger. It'll get better. It, it's a really annoying, isn't it? Let alone something severe. So let's just read this last bit again. Then we're going to do one last bit of a ministry of speaking scripture over one another. So worship team, would you mind coming up? We'll, we'll do this next bit of speaking with the worship team as well. And they can be... Uh, giving us some music. We're not going to spend a, a long time on the ministry this week. It's going to be quite short, but it's just going to be this time of speaking truth over us. And we particularly reach out to Cheryl and Andy, that's George's parents, and Josh, and all the members of the family, the extended family, like Paula and others, because, Father, we pray that the peace of God and the comfort of God be upon that family now. May they know your arms around them. May they even just not understand where that inner strength perhaps is coming from because they feel like I shouldn't be feeling 
is strong while I'm speaking God's strength over you in Jesus' name right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just come in. Um, so let's just read that last paragraph again. This is why we speak only of Christ, encouraging, correcting, and teaching everyone, everyone with the wisdom because they believe in the gospel we proclaim. What a wonderful prospect. And it's this that inspires me, inspires us to work so hard, depending on his power, to work in and through me and enabling me, says Paul, but enabling us to prevail through all the struggles. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to take a bit of scripture. It's actually uh, from verses 21 to 23. But don't look those up because we're going to do this um, personalizing of them. And if you look them up, they won't really match that well for you. Hallelujah. Just stand there now in the presence of God. Lift your hands. And we're going to do the same thing as we did before where you, uh, you repeat after me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so from verse 21, but personalizing. I was separated from God. Altogether, I was separated from God. I was his enemy. I was his enemy because my ways were evil in his sight. Because my ways were evil in his sight. But now, I am reconnected back to God. But now, I am reconnected back to God. I am reconciled with Him. I am reconciled with Him. Through Jesus' death, I am made holy. Through Jesus' death, I am made holy. One day, Jesus Christ will present me to the Father. One day, Jesus Christ will present me to the Father and I will be free from all accusation. And I will be free from all accusation. I will persist in my faith. I will persist in my faith. I will not allow anything to shake my faith in Him. I will not allow anything to shake my faith in Him. I will receive my hope. I will receive my hope. 
I receive my rich reward. I receive my rich reward. My rich inheritance in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, just a couple of prayers and requests that have been mentioned in the chat today. Father, we speak uh, health and healing over you, Karina. Uh, over Jordan, we uh, speak safety and health in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Kerry, yeah, praying and talking. You never have to beg God. You never have to beg God. He's a good father. You mentioned begging here. Praying and talking to God, asking and receiving. But you're his, you're, you are so precious to Him. You are His child in God. So don't feel you ever need to beg God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Praise God for His peace. Praise God for His presence. Let's persist in the faith together. Let's be defiant against the trouble and the struggle. Let's rest and soak in the presence of God and let's receive our rich inheritance, our rich reward from heaven. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. And uh, hope to see you maybe here at the Hub. The Hub is still open. Uh, we are not in Tier 2 or Tier 3. We're still in Tier 1. The Hub is definitely open. So it's open here during the week, Wednesday to Saturday, 11 till 2. There's many things happening in house church, uh, around the different house churches. So get in touch if you're a little out of touch there. There's still prayer room online happens. Again, you can get in touch. We'll give you details with that. Or you can look at one of the slates that's, that's coming up after this. The creche is open now. You can come in with your kids, but you just need to book it because we're just keeping it uh, close. We're keeping it um, low numbers, I mean, uh, following the rule of six. So it has to be booked. Um, and I think that's just about everything I need to tell you right now. Uh, we had a great weekend last weekend. If you missed Deepa, I do recommend going back and looking at what happened uh, that last weekend. A lot of it is just going to be resting in God. Uh, there's lots of different bits of worship. Uh, one, of, one of the ones I really just felt was powerful, and there was a lot. I mean, Friday night was powerful. You can tell that just by the number of views on it. But on, su on Sunday morning as well, right at the end, uh, in the ministry time, that, that was really powerful. Why do I mention these? Because you can use them at home anytime just to soak in the presence of God. So, God bless you, everybody, and see you all soon. Choose your path wisely. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire. Thank you.